One morning, towards the latter part of the month of March 1841, having at that time no particular business to engage my attention, I was walking about the village of Saratoga Springs, thinking to myself where I might obtain some present employment until the busy season should arrive. Anne, as was her usual custom, had gone over to Sandy Hill, a distance of some 20 miles, to take charge of the culinary department at Cheryl's Coffee House during the session of the court. Elizabeth, I think, had accompanied her. Margaret and Alonzo were with their aunt at Saratoga. On the corner of Congress Street and Broadway, near the tavern, then and for aught I know to the contrary still kept by Mr Moon, I was met by two gentlemen of respectable appearance, both of whom were entirely unknown to me. I have the impression that they were introduced to me by someone of my acquaintances, but who I have in vain endeavoured to recall, with the remark that I was an expert player on the violin. At any rate, they immediately entered into conversation on that subject, making numerous inquiries touching my proficiency in that respect. My responses being to all appearances satisfactory, they proposed to engage my services for a short period, stating at the same time I was just such a person as their business required. Their names, as they afterwards gave them to me, were Merrill Brown and Abram Hamilton, though whether these were their true appellations I have strong reasons to doubt. The former was a man apparently 40 years of age, somewhat short and thick-set, with a countenance indicating shrewdness and intelligence. He wore a black frock coat and black hat, and said he resided either at Rochester or at Syracuse. The latter was a young man of fair complexion and light eyes, and, I should judge, had not passed the age of 25. He was tall and slender, dressed in a snuff-coloured coat with glossy hat and vest of elegant pattern. His whole apparel was in the extreme of fashion. His appearance was somewhat effeminate, but prepossessing, and there was about him an easy air that showed he had mingled with the world. They were connected, as they informed me, with a circus company, then in the city of Washington, that they were on their way thither to rejoin it, having left it for a short time to make an excursion northward, for the purpose of seeing the country, and were paying their expenses by an occasional exhibition. They also remarked that they had found much difficulty in procuring music for their entertainments, and that if I would accompany them as far as New York, they would give me one dollar for each day's services, and three dollars in addition for every night I played at their performances, besides sufficient to pay the expenses of my return from New York to Saratoga. I at once accepted the tempting offer, both for the reward it promised and from a desire to visit the metropolis. They were anxious to leave immediately. Thinking my absence would be brief, I did not deem it necessary to write to Anne whither I had gone, in fact supposing that my return, perhaps, would be as soon as hers. So, taking a change of linen and my violin, I was ready to depart. The carriage was brought round, a covered one drawn by a pair of noble bays, altogether forming an elegant establishment. Their baggage, consisting of three large trunks, was fastened on the rack, and mounting to the driver's seat, while they took their places in the rear, I drove away from Saratoga on the road to Albany, elated with my new position and happy as I had ever been on any day in all my life. We passed through Ballston, 
and striking the ridge road, as it is called if my memory correctly serves me, followed it direct to Albany. We reached that city before dark, and stopped at a hotel southward from the museum. This night I had an opportunity of witnessing one of their performances, the only one during the whole period I was with them. Hamilton was stationed at the door. I formed the orchestra, while Brown provided the entertainment. It consisted in throwing balls, dancing on the rope, frying pancakes in a hat, causing invisible pigs to squeal, and other like feats of ventriloquism and legerdemain. The audience was extraordinarily sparse, and not of the selectest character at that, and Hamilton's report of the proceeds presented but a beggarly account of empty boxes. Early next morning, we renewed our journey. The burden of their conversation now was the expression of an anxiety to reach the circus without delay.' 